Uh, let me just paste the links and send them out to all of my internet friends and a couple of real friends. Um, here we go. All right. Good evening. Not that anyone's here yet, but if you want to rewind, go nuts. Uh, it is uh, March the tenth uh, or something today, which is kind of neat. Uh, I have the feeling that I have forgotten. Um, I have a feeling that I have forgotten to open a window that helps me do my work. Uh, but, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I don't really care. Thank you for joining me. It has, uh, been a lovely couple of days here in, uh, beautiful, sunny, southern Ontario, Canada. Uh, the temperature is very, very nice. Um, I'm having a better night than the Ottawa Senators, and in order to honor the Ottawa Senators as best I can, because clearly I hate their team and all of the players they draft, uh, I'm wearing the Connor McDavid jersey tonight. Um, so, too bad. Um, anyway, how are we all? Uh, I do want to say, uh, before we get into the questions, whenever they start rolling in, um, the podcast, the Chasing High Danger podcast, which will also host, uh, this podcast, it should be the same feed, as far as I can tell. Um, but anyway, this will be, uh... I'll, I'll be sure to send out all the links when it's ready and fully launched. The first episode is recorded. I'm almost done editing it. Um, I was joined by a very, very special guest who I will, um, who I will announce, uh, if I haven't already, uh, when, when the links are put out and the first episode will come out when the links are ready to go. So, uh, I'm really, really excited. It was a great conversation that I had with this person and, uh, I wanted to take a minute to thank her so much. Uh, and I will, I will absolutely do so again, uh, when the episode comes out and, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit in the live stream, hopefully next week. Um, so look for that probably like Friday. So if this comes out tomorrow, if I can get my account sorted out, the actual full length interview podcast thing will come out Friday. Uh, so I'm really, really excited to get that done and then move on to, uh, the next group of people, uh, that I have in mind. Okay, with that out of the way, uh, also the last thing, there might be one more live stream before scouting reports start getting filmed. Uh, gotta start picking the names that I wanna finish data sets on and, and start putting those into production. So stay tuned for those before the end of the month. The first ones last year started coming out around now. Uh, so hopefully, uh, I don't know what the goal is in terms of volume, but I'm looking for, uh, I, I don't think I'll be able to get to 36 players like I did last year because last year I had until October. Um, but getting until the end of June, usually I was able to get about one a week out, um, maybe one every two weeks. So we're, uh, we're excited to, uh, we're excited to get that going for sure. Okay. Let's get into some questions because that's why I'm here and that's why you're all here. Um, thank you, uh, or welcome, I, I don't know why I said thank you for saying hello. Uh, assalamu alaikum, what's going on? Um, lots of questions from Nick tonight, good. I like when there are lots of questions. Uh, where would you put Valinder in this draft ahead of Simon Edvinson? I don't think I'd put him ahead of Edvinson. 
Um, the, I mean, not, well, again, where would you put this player a year later? Um, let's take a peek. I mean, I really liked Wallander last year, but I don't really think he'd, I, I think he'd be comfortably in this range. Uh, I had him at 20 last year. I would probably take him over guys like LaRue, Lucius, but McTavish, Stankoven, Svechkov, Olausen even, Rosen. Like, then you're getting into a bit of greasy territory there. So Wallander might be in a bit of a, a, bit of a similar range, but up maybe a pick or two, I would say. I don't think he's up near this height. I mean, with Wallander, there was... I think there was better... A better sort of aggressive skating and skill combination whereas Edvinson I think Edvinson's defensive game is pretty underrated the the problem with Edvinson is not the same problem as Wallander Wallander is a is a def, was a def, is was more of a defensive nightmare last year but he's still not uh, a defensive he's still a de, bit of a defensive nightmare uh but he's not like not as bad uh Edvinson though actually is one of the better defensive you know transition players I've tracked um, when he doesn't play like a crazy person, he is pretty settled in in the defensive end um, and and plays decently well, at least better than Wallinder and at a higher level. Um, so I, I like I like the package that, that Edvinson has in terms of defensive ability. The problem is when the puck is on his own stick, whereas with Wallinder, I don't really see that as the problem. They're, they're both pro players, they're both defenders with real major flaws. But the flaws are, from my view, very different from one to the next. Um, doo -doo -doo. Is it just me or I have a feeling that this draft is better than we thought at first? I think this, this year's draft, I don't think it's... I mean, it's so... I don't really like talking about how good or bad this draft is before the guys are even drafted. The way that I see it... You know, when I look at this group, I will, I will say this. This year's group, to me, isn't as exciting as the prior two years. Like, the NTDP in 2019, um, you know, the 2020 draft as a whole had a lot of really exciting, fun talent that went all through the first few rounds. Um, 2018 even had some pretty exciting players, but I don't think it was as exciting as 19 and 20. Um, and this year, there's just not a ton of guys. I think that of the guys that are genuinely exciting relatively often at the top end like maybe the top seven guys like maybe eight i i found myself really excited watching guys like even owen power and kent johnson from time to time like really sort of gives you that sort of oh man this this is a real high-end trait or real high-end player in this area of the game whereas there isn't you know there are other players where there's aspects of their game that are really exciting but then when they're not in that situation, it's not as exciting. And so I think that is a, a bit of the area where I'm more comfortable making a bit of a judgment call, where it's like, I think there's going to be players in this draft who play in the NHL and, and play solid roles. Maybe not top six or top pair, top four guys deeper down the draft, but I do think that there's going to be, or, or high up on your lineup, but I do think that there's going to be good NHL talent here. Like, there's a lot of really high-end, high-motor, two-way guys that I think could just, you want on your team. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to manage your expectations properly and, and encourage them to be the best version of themselves that they can be. So I, I think it comes down to, like, how exciting 
are the how many really exciting players are there and i have a hard time being as excited as prior years but i'm not gonna write everything off i i think that the top i'd say 50 names on my list maybe uh, for i would say first two rounds that i've that i have ranked are guys where i'm pretty comfortable being you know i'm pretty comfortable you know where with where there there could be good potential like there's some interesting swings to take in the middle of this sort of second round late second round range that i have ranked a lot higher than other people that you might be able to get later and i i just i don't know there's there are just guys that i like and i think they're just not getting a ton of attention and that always seems to happen um but yeah i i don't know i don't think this draft is going to be terrible i guess is what i'm saying it's not i i think we just went through two very exciting years with real strong narratives like strong strong storylines to follow and this year people thought that michigan was going to be that they're not a bad team at all um they're good and the top three players and like the top the top 10 this year might have three players from the same team and they're all from the ncaa and they've all been good right like owen power started off pretty shaky he's been better uh ken johnson started off shaky I still have questions, but he's also improved a little bit. Matty Beneers has surprised me and, and sort of outperformed my expectations of him. Um, but again, nothing. But it's not like that 2019 NTDP kind of excitement. Um, but that's really hard to match. So I think people are really used to that. But now that we're sort of back in this really weird year with a really weird group, people kind of just go, ah, whatever, and just sort of what throw it in the trash. But there's some interesting names out there, uh, I would say. Uh, sup, Will. Sup, Adil? Adil? Anyway. I uh, just wanted to see you've got me so into scouting. Much more involved in the draft than ever before, and that's because of your content. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. it. It doesn't really feel like work to me. Um, I love watching hockey from anywhere in the world. I watched a Swiss second division game today, a Belarusian game, um, and U.S. prep school, which is pretty neat uh so yeah that it's it's good it's interesting work and uh it's a, a nearly a bottomless pit trust me um which defenseman in this draft has the highest point potential in the nhl oh god um luke hughes might be up there i i love how he plays in the offensive zone uh owen power could be up there as well i mean owen power could play on a power play which is uh, uh, kind of funny but I would think that I would think that Owen Power could be uh, a guy you put on your power play and just give him the puck in the defensive end and he goes to work. Um, so that's also possible. Like you want defensemen who are on the power play to be the ones who score points, right? Like that's generally where that comes from. I mean, and I mean, I I could see Hughes, Power, and Clark running a power play in the NHL. Um, and honestly, in that order of where I think there would be real value like i have luke hughes ranked higher than both of those other guys because with his age i think and the offensive offensive production ability there i think there's a combination of things that that pushes him beyond you know in terms of overall value but when it comes to like scoring points on the power play and running a power play and, and moving pucks in the offensive zone definitely luke hughes and owen power i would say with brant clark a shade behind i would say i, ju I just with brant clark i'm a bit skeptical of of how much he's gonna hit that you know that potential that people seem to think he has 
Um, I, I, I have questions, but I think he's certainly in that range. Uh, especially if there are certain things about his game can, can improve. Um, do, do, do. Will you ever do a collaboration with Kat Silverman? Would love to see your goalie takes. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Um, I have to, uh, it would be great to have her on the show. Uh, so hopefully I can get that organized. Uh, you are given the option to become general manager for one of these teams, the Coyotes, Sharks, and Sabres. What job do you take? Probably the Sharks. Uh, I like how they draft. Um, I, I think that, I think that with the San Jose Sharks, you know, nobody, no GM is perfect, but I certainly think that the general ethos is, is pointed in the right direction. Um, the Coyotes, I I mean, I would take whatever. I, I think the Coyotes would be an interesting job. Um, I think the Sabres is the one where, if I'm legitimately thinking about what I would do, I don't know. I don't know. And that, that makes me go, okay, maybe I don't want that job. You know, the coyotes. Sure. I mean, I love Arizona. I think living in the desert is pretty neat. I, I like the desert. Uh, but I, I think of those teams, San Jose. And I think like you, people saw how hyped I was about their draft this year. So, you know, like there, there's a, there's a resonance there. Um, and I think, you know, you would, if that, if that team is going into a real sort of rebuild and, and youth movement, uh, I think that that team could be really, really fun and really, really exciting, uh, for the next 10 years. Fabian Lee Sell or Lucas Raymond and why? Uh, Lucas Raymond, I think. I mean, I love Fabian Lee Sell a lot. I love how he plays. Um, I, I love the story that I love the difference between what seems to be public perception with him and reality. Uh, I, I love that, that, that difference. Um, but Lucas Raymond, I mean, every time Lucas Raymond stepped on the ice last year, I just, I, I loved watching him play. Like I, I love players who it, it's pretty clear that you can, you can follow along in their head, what they're doing. Like you would go, okay, I would do this or the puck's probably going to end up here. And, and he's quick enough to realize it. He's quick enough on his feet to get there you know, he, he, he plays, he does the things that you need to pay attention to a lot. And, and I, I really, really like that about him. He's got great offensive tools that are coming out more and more. Um, Fabian Liesel, I think could get to that point maybe in the future, but there's something about Lucas Raymond that I, I just, you know, it's not so much, he might not have the hard work level sort of motor that Fabian Liesel has, but he certainly knows what to do a lot and and he's a ton of fun to watch um great shot you know no no nonsense playmaking in the offensive end you know knows what to do in the defensive end you know quick through the neutral zone there's a lot of good things about him Fabian Liesel does have a bit of those traits but but I I think that Lucas Raymond is a a, a heck of a, of a of a hockey player uh Mishakul, good for him. What a guy. Thoughts on the proposed new lottery system? I don't care. I just I know you everyone should know if if you're older than 25, I think. I I think if you're older than 25, you should know that in 3 years or 4 years we're going to have the same discussion again. Some team is going to feel slighted, some fan base is going to feel slighted, someone's going to be unhappy. You know, oh we 
we lost the we won the lottery twice, but our team is so bad and we're being penalized for it. That's so unfair. Or something. But I don't care. I I I have my thoughts about what I would do if I could make the draft lottery whatever I wanted it to. I I I have that, but I I can't implement it. Um and whatever the league does, it's not going to make everybody happy. Uh it's not going it, to you know, like the system right now, I guess, prevents tanking. Sure. I, I guess the system as they have coming up won't prevent tanking. Um, or will will could also prevent tanking, but I just, I don't really care. Uh, the rules are going to be what the rules are. And like when you look at who goes in the draft, it's not a guarantee. Just because you pick first overall is not a guarantee your team's going to be better. And just because you pick first overall does not mean you're always going to get the best player that comes out of that draft. Like, you got to do your homework. It's not just a matter of we pick first, therefore we're going to be successful. That's not, that's not how it works. Like, look at all the teams that have picked first overall over the last 20 years. Not every single one of them has found tremendous amounts of success, especially the ones who, like, look at who the Buffalo Sabres drafted after drafting Rasmus Dahlin. The day that draft happened, I wrote in that article on my old website, like, the Buffalo Sabres had a chance to load up their forward group so that Rasmus Rasmus Stalin has someone to pass the puck to and they drafted like four giant defensemen half of whom have not come to North America and like the other half are just in the NCAA I think so I don't know in any case I don't really care um it's gonna be what it's gonna be people are gonna be mad people are gonna greatly benefit from it people are gonna not greatly benefit from it and I feel like in five years, we're going to be right back where we started in terms of changing things to make them fairer, when in reality, it just makes new fans more and more confused. Like, leave it to the, leave it to the National Hockey League, right? I think. Like, there's nothing they do better than taking relatively straightforward concepts or relatively fine concepts and then finding an isolated case or a, a, a particularly upset sector of fans, of hardcore fans, who end up getting the rules changed and making the game and the culture more confusing for people who are picking up this or trying to pick up the sport. I don't know. Uh, it, I don't, again, it's going to be what it's going to be. Whether if I'm working for a team, whether I'm picking first or third or eighth overall, I don't care. I'm going to do what I can to get the best player at that slot. Right? Like that, that's all you can do. Um, which player in your opinion is the best combo of brain and hands? brain hands um you know i i think i'm gonna go it, this might be a bit of a hot take but i'm thinking atu ratu um the the guy the way that guy thinks and the way that guy ha plays with the puck on his stick is there's so so much potential and i really really like how he plays it's just he's just uh he's just not quite what he could be like you can see the wheels turning and sometimes you're just like, buddy, I don't know what you're doing, but you have way more potential than this. And the guys around him, like there's data already that I can find that shows that the guys around him aren't really helping him out. Like if you look at his catalyst percentages, which I've updated since last week, um, Atu Ratu is a huge net positive defensive player for Carpet, which, and he's under a goal against per 50, per 60 minutes at even strength, which is great. But his offense is the exact opposite and part of that is him right but in my view 
he gets the shots from where they need to be shot from and that's him on his own um so somehow that's happening and he's a great transition player going both directions so i i look at atu ratu and yeah i could see a really good sort of set of hands and a really good two-way thinking guy you know like people make fun of how dumb jesse puliyarvi is or whatever but he drives a lot of really positive results from just constantly doing what needs to be done to get the puck in a position to be in the net you know like he he might not score 80 points this season but you can watch jesse puliyarvi play he covers a lot of ice he's got a lot of range on him he's got you know really really good hands He's a two-way guy, you know, he puts in the work, uh, and he's got a, a great shot. And so if you get that, but as a center, not that's not bad to me. Um, and, and I've just really, really, he, I've enjoyed watching Atu Ratu play, especially since the World Junior that he didn't go to. You know, he, he, he has looked very, very good. Uh, not particularly phenomenal, but I think he's getting a bad rap. Other than that, on the same level... Um, I mean, Fyodor Svechkov in a different way. I mean, the hands that he's got, um, are more practical, I think. Like, they're not the quickest hands you'll see, but he has this sort of weird mechanism where he just knows how to get his stick on the puck no matter what and put the puck in a situation where he can control it. A lot of guys just kind of can't, you know, they'll just slap away at the puck and whatever. He seems to be much more capable of anticipating play getting his stick involved when he needs to and just freeing the puck up really really quickly um so i i like that about his game as well but i don't think it's quite on the same level as like uh, an atu ratu first question how have the sabers managed to mess up dalian like this is it kruger has he somehow regressed or something is it just the buffalo culture best d-man under, under 20 in the last 30 years i can't say i've watched a ton of the of the sabers but i did watch a bit of Rasmus Dahlin last year or from this season a little bit because I do have the same question I mean I don't know they're still playing him a lot um but the thing I've noted about him is just he's not touching who he, he's not touching the puck enough he's 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 not he's not getting the puck very much um I don't know but but Rasmus Dahlin was at his best when you gave him the puck and just told him to go to work and I just don't feel like he's being given that chance. I don't know if they're trying to make him into a more physical, defense-first kind of guy, because that's what defensemen are supposed to be. But if that's what they're doing, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. That's not what he is. That's never what he was. Um, I also get the feeling that when your captain may or may not be a little bit disillusioned, uh, because he's been here for five years through some of the worst hockey team worst nhl hockey in terms of wins and losses in of the decade he's lived through that and now it's like even worse than it ever has been before um i don't know maybe there's some sort of mental thing there that's just kind of breaking his mind um i don't know i i i don't know what's going on um but with dalene specifically i mean i can't i can't just point at ralph krueger and, and say it's his fault but it really feels like Rasmus Dahlin is just not getting the puck as much as he used to. He 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 just seems to be a bit more dejected, not fully, you know, it, it seems like they're trying to make him more of a defensive player because his results so far have leaned pretty heavily offensively. But by doing that, they're taking away from what makes him useful. I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I need to take a closer look because it's kind of insane to me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I, 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 I had this said to me a couple of weeks ago, but it's hard to believe that a player like that good has just forgotten how to play hockey. And I, I believe that, uh, will, do you think Stankoven gets, doesn't get the praise he deserves because of his size? Absolutely. Uh, he has the upside of a top six winger and has a nasty shot. Yeah, I absolutely think so. Um, I, I absolutely think so. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. Like I, I, I love guys like him small but hardworking guys with with great offensive raw talent like that shot that he's got um hard worker i i like him a lot uh hello is it just me or oh wait you asked that already how did you like gunther in your tracking um i would say he was up and down i i i, I didn't i i wanted to move him up the only thing i did was added him to the second tier here you know, I, I thought genuinely, could I really not be convinced to take Dylan Gunther over Simon Edvinson? Probably not. Now, Simon Robertson, you're kind of pushing it, I think. Brant Clark, probably not. But if I'm going to put Simon Edvinson in that range and, and lock him in there, then I think Gunther should be in there as well. I I would need to see more of Gunther. It's He's a tough one. Uh, let me pull him up. And gra- keep in mind, this is one game. Um, so... Like, a lot of this is good. You know, 25 dangerous passes per 60 is huge. That's a ton, and that's something he did a lot. Um, all of his dangerous shots were high danger, uh, but he also took a lot of low danger shots, if I recall correctly. Um, but, like, a lot of this is really positive in terms of an offensive direction. He's giving the puck up a lot, moving offensively, and that partially is driven by pass percentages below 50%. Like, not great, especially when you have a guy who's passing the puck that much. But the puck is getting into the offensive zone enough, clearly, because he's generating a ton of offense and his team still generated a ton of offense. Um, I I don't know about his pace, but, you know, I don't really think I care that much considering how clever he is with the puck and how much offensive vision he's got and how he's able to sort of manipulate opponents and open up space and, and open up passing lanes and such. I'm not super concerned about it, but... I think uh, I I I haven't bumped him any higher, and I I have a hard time I have a hard time thinking that unless he, you know, three weeks into the season has completely hit another gear in terms of his motion and and efficiency with his passing and everything that he might stay sort of locked in where he is. Um, so yeah, and yeah, like you you have a scoring winger who failed at three quarters of his offensive entries, which is not great, um, but. It's not the end of the world, and sometimes that happens in one-game samples. Uh, which draftee, in your opinion... Oh, weird. That question was asked. Um, Dylan Griffin, that crap. Say some words about Kuzman. Uh, if you like small defensemen and you're not scared of them, he's a good one. Um, he's a ton of fun. He like, So we'll pull him up. So I've done five games of him now, so take that information for what you will. Not a lot of this really jumps out at the page at you, I don't think. And I think that this is a guy that you take a swing on in like the seventh round, you know, not super early. I have him ranked in the third, but usually guys in my third round are available towards the end of the draft. Um, he's He's got tremendous skill for a defenseman. Um, he needs to settle things down a little bit with his passing. He can try to bite off a little bit more than he can chew. He can be a little bit too patient with the puck. Like, he's going to need to recognize that being that small, there are limitations. He's gotten, in terms of production, he's gotten better as the year has gone on, and his defensive numbers are very good. 
Like, he's a d- small defenseman who drives good defensive results. He knows how to get into the uh, neutral zone, cut off breakouts, cut off errant passes, uh, get his stick into passing lanes, get his stick into shooting lanes. You know, I, I really, really like what he's got to bring to the table. I, I don't see a, hu- a huge likelihood of a, of a potential high-end NHL player. But, I mean, he's driven really good results. Um, you know, his dangerous passing rates for a defenseman are very, very big. Like, 8.8 doesn't sound like a lot, but for a defenseman in a pro league, even if it's in Belarus, uh, he does pretty well. You know, 50-50 entering the offensive zone with control. He, he's got good speed, um, but that skill can really shake guys off. So I, I like him a lot, um, but again, like late round, late round swing, I would say. Uh, oh, lost it. Doo doo. Okay, can Ferraro, Merkley, Bordalo, Weisblatt, Robbins, Chekovic, etc., save the Sharks? Or are they doomed? Uh, I think the Sharks were are going to be doomed for a little bit, but but not long term. I think the Sharks have a decent building set of building blocks they landed last year. Bordelos looked great. Gooschins looked great. Uh, I like Brandon Coe a lot. Uh, Weisblatt's looked pretty good in the AHL from what I've seen as well, especially for a guy that, you know, went where he went in the draft. Um, I, I thought they did really well. Timofey Spitzerov has been insane with his prep school team this year again, but that was kind of expected. Uh, Adam Raska has looked pretty interesting. So, yeah, I, I think the Sharks are doing okay but I think it's going to be a situation where it might get a little worse before it gets better. Uh, oh, lost a spot here. Would I be wrong to cheer if the Red Wings take Beneers first overall? No, you wouldn't be wrong. Should fans lower their expectations of Russian UFA signings? Yes. Most players turn out to be decent bottom to six players despite high point totals in the KHL. Panarin and Gusev are probably exceptions. Most, yeah, mostly, yeah. I mean... The game in Russia is not the same as it is in North America. You get away with a lot more in Russia than you do in North America. The ice is also bigger on some rinks, but that's not really a good excuse anymore. Um, the the balance of talent is very wide as well. If you play the worst KHL team and you're on one of the best ones, you're gonna pump them full of goals for the whole night. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a bit of a lopsided game, most likely. Not always, but a lot. Um, so with KHL guys, I mean, you really got to be aware of why, what it is that you're picking up and why, uh, I I think that you need to be wary because it's a big adjustment. It's, I mean, you, the, the other thing that I think a lot of people seem to miss is like, imagine you were picked up to go play hockey in Russia. Like maybe that would be an easy transition for you culturally and personally to make. And your if you have a family and all that stuff, like maybe that's something that is easy for you, but that also might factor in as well and go, look, if I'm going to a kid or a guy who has been in Russia his whole life, played in Russia, his whole hockey career, he's 27 years old, but I'm giving him a chance to play in the NHL and you uproot his life and move him to, I don't know, uh, like Miami, or St. Petersburg, Florida, I should say. It's not, it, it, maybe that's going to be a great transition for that person. Maybe Vadim Shipachov going to Vegas might, if it was a different person, be a different, be a, be a totally, uh, be a totally different case, be a totally different case. But unfortunately, it might have been a bit different. Um, interesting. Not sure what's going on in the Twitch chat. 
but that's fine. I'll keep an eye on it. Um, yeah, weird bots. Anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I would say that with Russian, like any, but again, anytime Russians are signed or any college free agents and any of you people, you people, any of you guys or girls ask me about them, my answer is always going to be the same. Like, I don't know. I, I, if I've seen them play, like maybe, like I saw Archiam Zub play last year and someone asked me about him and I went, I mean, he's a guy, he's a KHL defenseman who's not objectively terrible, but I'm not expecting him to like, on the Ottawa Senators, I thought he would play, but I wasn't expecting him to like shoot the lights out. Alexander Barabanov, I mean, he, he, the Leafs need guys like Barabanov where it, they're on a flexible ELC contract. If it works, fine, you get yourself a player. But if it doesn't, it's one year, up and down, who cares? Toss him back to Russia if it doesn't work, and he'd probably get a contract back there. You know, like, I don't know. You know, Patrick Hodorenko. I don't mind him. I've seen him play a lot. I don't really think that there's a huge high-end NHL player there, especially considering how, how old he is. But if I were to sign an NCAA free agent and see what happens, sure, give him a call. But I'm not gonna anoint, I'm not anointing anyone anything really and until it happens so you know i think there are khl players that i certainly think could be good nhl players like andre kuzmenko is one uh i i uh there's a guy on sarah pavets that i kind of like alexander petunin uh he's an interesting one but they're that that's because those guys play with a lot of pace and a lot of intensity and a lot of skill and like kuzmenko especially can just humiliate khl players um so anyway, I, I, I like, I, I'm, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of bringing KHL guys over, but I can absolutely see how it's, you know, you got to pump the brakes a little sometimes. Uh, let's go over to Twitch chat because that was kind of fun seeing the, uh, bots go off there a little, uh, evening will. I want to know if you think that Tim Stutzel is playing like an all-star in tonight's game. I think his speed and dynamic skill is really on display. Honestly, I'm not watching the game. Um, I mean, Tim Stutzla, like, I don't know what else I can say about Tim Stutzla. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of tired of, of giving my opinion and being told that I'm wrong. Like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, I never once in my life have I said Tim Stutzla is bad or anything. I've said multiple times that he is the most, probably in last year's draft, one of the most exciting players in the draft, if not the most. So... You know, the fact that I'm pointing out concerns and pointing out issues is not me saying he's terrible. Him looking like a him looking like an all star, yeah, like he's got the speed and skill and exciting sort of side of his game that that makes him that 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 certainly makes him look like an all star. You know, that's not that that's undeniable, and he's been better as the year has gotten gotten going. That's the same case for Alexi Lafreniere, who's a rookie starting to get his feet going in the NHL. Like, these guys take time to adjust. No one is saying that it's wrong. That like No one is saying that that's a thing to worry about. Like, I said the opposite. Um, so I'm not surprised that Tim Stutzla, a third overall draft pick, uh, who was a top five player last year, is looking like the, the, the speedy and skilled and fun and exciting players looking like an all-star. Like, yeah, I get it. Um, and yes, I see that you tried the PC loaded all dress chips. Uh, 
yeah, I know, you might disagree with me. I don't care. They're amazing. Um, ruffles are still really, really good, but this household has switched over. Um, do you think Jimmy Suomi can have a great impact in the NHL? I don't think so. I mean, I've seen him play a few times. Uh, I like his skating, but there's a lot of things with his game where I'm not really... I mean, maybe I need to circle back on him and do more games, uh, but I've seen him play because I've tracked Samu Salmon in as well, and I've seen Jokerit as an opponent a few times. I don't really... Uh, I don't really see it. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of skill, and I mean, especially with the skating, like the, the footwork and the ability to pivot from forward to backwards and have mobility in four directions... It's all fine. It's all there. Uh, but other than that, I mean, his defensive game is not great uh, all around. His passing vision is also very hit or miss. Like, he's throwing passes to nobody in particular. Um, there's just other smaller defensemen that I'm much more interested in, I think. Uh, is Scott Morrow your Marat Kuznetinov this year? I'm not as high on Scott Morrow as I was on Marat Kuznetinov. I mean, if anything, like, if if anything... The guy that I'm high on relative to the rest of the world the most seems to be Simon Robertson, who on average is ranked around 18th, uh, and Robertson is at 10 on my list. Like, there's nobody who's ranked egregiously low relative to my list this year. Um, I'm just looking now, like, Olausen and Stankoven. No, Stankoven and Svechkov. Svechkov, I'm not as excited about as I was about Murat. I mean, I think last year was just an, an enigma. Like, I think Marat Kuznetinov is just a player that I just really, really, really loved to watch. Um, I think in my second round, there's a lot of players who I haven't seen listed pretty much anywhere, which makes me think I'm nuts, um, that I really like, and I think that would be worth taking a swing on if you could pick him up in the third or fourth or fifth round. But in terms of, like, that level of, I like this person relative to the rest of the market... I don't really think there's anyone, but I am a really big fan of Simon Robertson. I think that there's a lot of potential there with him uh, to be a really solid NHL player, um, at least in the offensive sense, for sure. I traded Price and Debrinket for Grubauer and Ehlers in my pool. All right. Thoughts on Brett Leeson now compared to when he was drafted? I knew, I knew that there was too much to, there was just too, you know, I... I was skeptical about him. From the moment I watched him play hockey, I, I, from the moment I saw that shooting percentage, his second half was way slower than his first, like way slower. And usually, like, and big guys like that on a team full of big guys in a junior hockey league, like they're gonna, there's gonna be situations where they can score. Uh, I wouldn't have drafted Brett Leeson. I had him ranked because everyone else did and I was you know a bit of a dum-dum back in those days back in whatever that was 2019 or whatever um I mean maybe as like a mid to late round pick I would have picked him and seen what happened but I I mean he went in the second round I think and and there were some ratings that had him in the first and I I mean I thought okay Tanner Pearson wasn't too long ago and maybe people think this is this but I looked at the trajectory of his production and it was just a consistent downturn right from the, like basically after his first couple of months. And I went, all right, so what am I going to bet on? Is it Brett? Is it that Brett Leeson all of a sudden discovered how to be a dominant player when he was 20 years old in the first two months of the season? Or is the regression back to where he was the previous three, four, five seasons of his hockey career more likely the case as what we're seeing in the back half? And it seems like, he's been struggling in the AHL because 
I don't know. Just, just not, I don't, I just don't think there's much there. Uh, hey, Will. Hello, Marc-Andre. Any thoughts on the rumors concerning the possible new rules of the draft? Oh, yeah, we, we went over that already. If you, if you want, you can rewind, but we went over that. Is there anything you can use to scout goalies, or do you just believe it's voodoo and leave it to fate? How do you scout goalies that are ranked high, such as Askarov and Wallstead? That's a really good question. For me, uh, for me, it looks like, for me, I go very, very skeptical on goalies from the start and sort of make them show me why I should, why I should buy in. So when I look at someone like a, like an Askarov, I look at his track record first. So every single level that guy played at, he was very, very good and stopping pucks, um, played at the, you know, he was playing at the VHL level, which nobody else has done. I don't think, at least in terms of the number of games that he was playing. Um, and he was playing very well on a very good team, but he was playing very well. Uh, and when I watched him play, I thought, all right, here's a guy who's athletic. You know, he, he, I mean, him at the international tournaments that I saw as well, he was spectacular. Um, you know, the only downside of his, of his, of his list or of his, of his resume was his world junior last year. That's the, that's the only one. And everything else has been positive. And again, like Brett Leeson, but the opposite, I'm going to bet on the outlier being the outlier and the rest being the rest. Like we saw him in the, in the, was it the bronze medal game this year? He looked great. The semifinal wasn't so good, but, but you know, when I'm looking at Askarov, I mean, there's a number of, there's a number of sort of general feelings that I liked about him and the track record. Whereas with Wallstead, I watch him play and I just see a goalie who is dialed in, knows what he's doing. And in recent weeks, I've looked into some data that's available on Instat for goaltenders that might shed some light on areas where goalies might set themselves apart. Um, and so someone like Wallstead certainly does that in a number of areas. We went over that last week. Uh, I don't have the same data for Askarov, but I'm sure I could pull it. Um, and there are goalies this year that I think are worth picking that, you know, like Sebastian Casa. He's got the track record. He's got size, which I think, you know, size is kind of important, I think, for goalies. Like, I don't think it's tremendously, you know, horrible if you're small. But I think that if you're going to say that size matters somewhere in net in a game of inches that's as fast as hockey, yeah, maybe a couple of inches here and there could make the difference when you really need it to. I don't know. But that's maybe just my lizard brain going off. Um, so when I look at Wallstead, though, I see someone really dialed in. Casa, um, another guy who has the track record and, and stopping pucks and, you know, to a level that you can't really ignore. Um, and there's other goalies that I have ranked. I think Kirill Gerasimyuk is the only other one and he plays on a God awful team, but no matter what situation he's stopping pucks, his dangerous save percentages and high danger save percentages are very, very good. You know, screen him. He still stops pucks and he's gotten lots and lots of practice, uh, in game, which I think is valuable. Uh, so Gerasimyuk is a guy that I would certainly look at somewhere in this draft and just say, you know what, if he doesn't come over for six years, cause he's in Russia, I don't care. Uh, if it's my seventh round pick or sixth round pick, I don't care. But I feel like someone's going to draft him higher because he's big and facing a lot of pucks and stopping a lot of pucks. And generally, that's a decent starting point, especially if you're not going to see them for years. Uh, hey, Will, glad to be here. Hello, Thomas. Unfortunately, I've got another question. Oh, well. 
With the trade deadline coming up, a number of teams are looking to load up. I'm wondering what your thoughts on rentals and spending draft capital at the deadline are. How do you feel about a team approaching balancing, contending now, and maintaining futures? Uh, well, it depends on the team. Like, if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm looking for a defenseman. I don't know why everyone is talking about another top six forward. Like, God, the it's the keeping up with with what what people on the Canadian news media talk about with the Toronto Maple Leafs on a literally day-to-day basis is a job in and of itself. It's so all over the place. Everyone's going to the Leafs. And like now that the Leafs are legitimately potential challengers, it's gotten like ramped up. Like everyone is on eggshells being like, okay, what do they need? What do they need? What do they need? The Leafs are okay. Oh, they lost. Oh, they, they got hella bucks last night. Oh, we got to, oh, they, they, they need Taylor Hall. Slow down. Like, some of the things I'm seeing out there are asinine. If I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, a defenseman would be nice. Another contending team, if I'm the Tampa Bay Lightning, maybe more defense depth there as well. You know, maybe just depth. I I don't know. I've never worked for a team, but I feel like adding rentals, if if you really need it and it doesn't cost you much, I think it makes sense. Like... Rental deals where you're giving up a third or a fourth or a fifth round pick with maybe a conditional pick if a guy re-signs or something, sure. But even then, it depends on the player you're acquiring as well. You know, like if it's just some other team's fourth line guy who's 34 years old and has that reputation of being a veteran, but he doesn't really add much impact on the ice for you, you're betting that that player's mere presence is going to completely transform your team's mentality and willingness to work hard for each other and and play hard that your team's going to get better even if that player is not particularly useful. You know, like when I look at someone like Toronto, and again, this is because we're dominated by Toronto, by Toronto narratives, like the Toronto Maple Leafs added their rental players in free agency for nothing. Like, that's what Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton are. That's what Jason Spezza is. If those guys weren't on the Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto media would be talking about bringing those guys on. So I think Toronto might benefit from something like depth, but I'm certainly not answering any phone calls that are like, would you take Taylor Hall retained 50-50 for Timothy Liljegren, a first round pick, and you know Alexander Kerfoot? Like, no one in their right mind is doing that. So if I was running, but if I was running an NHL team and I was a contender, I do think there's merit to saying, all right, maybe we move a pick here and there and try to get back, you know, a player that will add some solid value. Like when Ryan Dezingle got traded, like a guy who drives good results, he's, he's somewhat useful. I think they paid a lot to get him in Columbus, but doesn't matter. Uh, and you just kind of got to go for it. But on the on the same time, I, I'm not willing to use, you know, like, I, I, I'm not a huge believer in going out and, like, there always seems to be a guy who just wants to win the Cup so bad. You know, a guy who's been a great player his whole career and wants to win the Cup so bad, and, and he ends up being the guy that's traded for a prospect and a first-round pick and a player and this and this and this, like Rick Nash, for example. And it just never, it never really pans out the way you expect. Because going to a new team, especially if you've been in, say, Columbus for 10 or 12 years, that's probably a pretty big mental adjustment, you know? And you only get 20 games, and then it's the playoffs. And if you're a step behind in the playoffs, you're toast. Um, so, anyway. Um, I, I also, 
personally, if I was a general manager, like I would, I would want every trade deadline to basically be the time where I look at the group and go, you guys, I think are good enough. Like that's the ultimate goal is to feel at the trade deadline that you're comfortable enough that you don't think you need to make a move. And you can look at them and go like, I think you guys are doing fine. I think we got a good team. Barring the injury bug, I, th- I you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Because I think you invite a lot of uncertainty by just moving assets around just because you can. And then tomorrow you can't. Anyway, I've talked for too long about it. Uh, it's complicated because it depends on who you are, what you're looking for, who you're getting at. I don't know. There's a lot of things. But I'm more on the don't do anything side of things, you know, than, than the trade everything for, for, for guys that might help in the playoffs. Uh, thoughts on the Devils prospects and who they should be looking at in the upcoming draft. I don't mind the Devils system. I know people crap all over them t- from time to time. Uh, I don't mind them at all. I thought Dawson Mercer has looked really good this year. Um, Alexander Holtz as well. I thought he looked really good at the World Juniors. He's been kind of up and down in the in the in the SHL, but I wouldn't be too concerned. Um, I mean, I had concerns about Alexander Holtz last year for sure that are well documented, but a lot of those issues are kind of going away. Um, but you know, there's other things to work out. Um, in terms of looking at the upcoming draft, I mean, depends on where they're picking. But if they're picking, say, top five, uh, and you're getting one of these guys, like, I mean. Luke Hughes in a Devils uniform would be kind of neat. Um, I mean, Fabian Lee Sell or William Eklund, if they're available, would also be really cool in 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 New Jersey. Um, I mean, Eklund has been a line mate of Holtz. Maybe there's something there. Um, it, it's hard to say because the the season there's still a long way to go. But if I'm the New Jersey Devils, I mean, drafting Alexander Holtz last year, they got Dawson Mercer and they got Shakir Mukhamadoulin. I mean, they, they, they if Owen Owen Power's almost certainly gone by the time they pick. Um, I mean, they, you know, Owen Power's certainly gone by the time they pick. Like maybe Brant Clark, but it doesn't really strike me as the kind of guy that the Devils want playing defense. Like they went out and got Okochik uh, or Kevin Ball to play with Okochik. You know, they've they've added Shakir Mukamadulin. Like they want their defensemen big and snarly and mean. But if they have skill, that's nice maybe Luke Hughes is that guy. Um, if not, I, I don't know, maybe, a, maybe you go with some speed to burn and guys like Lee Sell if he's available or I, I mean, Atu Ratu is your third center behind Jack Hughes and, uh, Nico Heischer does not scare me the sl- in the slightest in terms of like, if I was putting that on my own team, but if I was playing against them, that might be tough. Um, but we'll have to see where the, where we are at the end of the year. Great video under the great video looking at Lafreniere. Uh, thank you. How does Capocacco look under the hood like compared to last year? Better. I mean, anything is better than last year, but he's better. Which NHL player would you liken Isaac Rosen to? Ugh. Uh, I don't know. Um, might have to get back to me on that. That's a tough one. Uh, speedy gets to dangerous areas, um, but small. Uh, so I don't know. Not I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Scott Wheeler was saying Yusaku, Yusaku Ando is looking unlikely to be drafted this year. What do you think about him? Should I move on to hoping for Kenta Isagai? I mean, I like Isagai. Uh, he's fun. He's skilled. He's slippery. But he's very, very small. Uh, Yusaku Ando, um, yeah, I don't think he's good. He's not on my list. I don't think he's going to be. 
I just don't think there's, he's just not much of a needle mover. Like he's an okay USHL player might be an okay NCAA player, but I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't really see it with him. Uh, I remember being a little bit concerned after him not being an absolute world ender at his world junior last year with that really fun Japanese under 20 team. I mean, he's one of the best players on the team, but the fact that he wasn't unequivocally the most dominant player in that tournament, which was division two B I think, or two a, like you should be like, he was, if you're Yusaku Ando and you want to be an NHL draft pick, you know, like Liam Kirk pumped that tournament for about 20 points in five games and still went seventh round. Um, you know, if you're going to be Yusaku Ando, you got to absolutely look at the Spanish junior team and go, I'm going to score six goals on you. And you try and you score four, but he didn't. Um, and when I've seen him in the USHL this year, just not much going on outside of just sort of fitting in on the team and playing. Like he's fine, but I don't, I don't think I would be drafting him because there's not really much where when I'm watching him, I'm going, okay, this is why I'm drafting him. With Kenta Isogai, there's a bit more to like. I think he's got more pace. He's he attacks the middle. He's small, but he's skilled, and and I I kind of like what he could be. But again, he's still also a guy where it's like, what would where where are we gonna end up here? Because I don't know. Um. Let's switch over to Twitch for a second. I'll I'll come back. Uh, oh, you messaged in there too. Okay. Uh, love the channel. Keep it up. Thank you. Show. I'm I'm trying to read that. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm I don't know what that question means, Mister uh, Talky Hawk. Um. Oh, autocorrect. Who do you think in the WHL and OHL for defensemen? Um, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I tracked Kyle Masters this week. He's fine, I guess. Uh, like, I don't know. I, I like Vincent Iorio in, in Brandon as well. He's in my third round, but he could easily go up higher the more I, if I can watch him play more this year. Uh, I like Paul Christopoulos. In the OHL, Olin Zellweger is another fun one in the WHL, but again, I haven't seen him this season, so we'll see how he plays uh, with Everett this year. Uh, who else is on here? Um, that might be it in terms of, in terms of defensemen. Unfortunately, at least, at least right now. But that could easily change before the end of the year. Who's a guy that's big but has, under, un, but has underrated skill like Brandon Coe last year? Uh, William Stromgren, probably. He's pretty big. Um, he's lanky and tall, uh, just like Brandon Coe, but he's not as tall and lanky, but he is very skilled, uh, when he wants to be. But I'm sure I could think of a better answer than that. That's just the first name that pops in my head. Um, who is big and has size? Or skill. That's the word you said. Oh, uh, Cole Huckins is another one that I think could be an interesting, interesting option. Um, so yeah, Stromgren and uh, and Huckins, I would say, are those two for me. Uh, back to YouTube. Who's the person that's going to be a reach at the draft and why? Um. Well, okay. So in past years, who have been the reaches? Defensemen uh centers who were the reaches last year defenseman uh muka Madulin was a reach um trying to think of the other ones jack quinn was a reach to me 
I mean, I I I think that I think that I think there could be players that have barely played. Like Corson Kuhlman's could be one where a team picks him in like thirteenth overall, because I think that the skill that he's got and the shiftiness on his feet, you know, and when his passing vision is dialed in, especially getting out of the defensive end, like when that's all working. I could see how you might think there's a really, really good defenseman there. I would not agree, but I think I can see why. But I, I mean, and he's barely played, but I could easily see a team going, all right, we should just take him because we like him and he's a good guy and fits in with our culture or whatever. I could see that. Uh, if I was, you know, other than that, I don't know. I mean, it's hard because anyone could be reached on this year. I would think like, would Sasha Pastajov going top 15 surprise me? A little bit, but it, I don't know. I've seen a lot. Like, after Igor Chinahov, nothing surprises me anymore. Um, Jack Quinn going before Marco Rossi, nothing surprises me anymore. Uh, you know, but I would think that the guys that teams are going to reach on are defensemen or centers or... Um, anyway... I, it's hard to say, but who knows? I can't wait to find out, though. That's for sure. Um, when can we expect the first scouting report? End of the month. We'll, we'll, we'll call it the end of the month. I've given Salmon in two looks and found he's on the lazy side, especially on the back check. His defending in the neutral zone is also incredibly poor. He's not... Like, Salmonin is one where definitely there are... I think I've tracked four games of his... Two were really bad, and two were really good in terms of on-paper results. I still don't buy what he's selling, uh, especially with regards to how much he's scoring. Um, I just don't think I don't think it translates very well. He's not a great skater. He's pretty slow, but he's resilient on his feet. He's got decent skill, a decent shot, you know, good puck protection ability, good passing ability. Uh, let's pull him up. I mean, I, I can't argue because... His data looks really good so far. Um, over, oops, his name is not Sal. Samu Salmanen. Like, all of this is pretty good. His neutral zone defense, like you said, not great. For a, for a guy who usually plays center, not great. Especially for a big guy who plays center. His passing, not extremely great. 50-50 split for his offensive threat, which is good, but... I don't I just don't know how that projects to the next level. I think he should be playing at least some games at a level higher than the Finnish junior level, but that's the problem with Jokerit's program. The next level up, I believe, is the KHL. I think they have a farm team in the Finnish second division, but they seem to barely use it. So for Salmonen, I have questions just like you do, for sure. You're not alone. Uh, do you see a bit of laziness in the game of Zach LaRue? I don't know. Again, I hate throwing the term lazy around. These guys are high, high-level athletes. I am not. Um, I go to physio because my knee hurts from sitting too much during the pandemic. That's where I'm at. So I am not in a position to call junior hockey players who are trying to go in the NHL draft lazy. With Zach LaRue, there are times where... I wouldn't call him lazy, but he's not engaged in play as much as you would like him to be. When he turns on his jets and he gets moving and he's shifty, he can be tremendous. Like, I really like Zach LaRue's offensive potential. Um, I don't think he's going to be a player that you run a line through, but 
you know, he's got skill. He's he's shifty and maneuverable. Uh, he's a great playmaker and uh, a great shooter. You know, like there's a lot of things in his data that are really, really positive. I mean, he's very sort of cowboy hockey though. Drives really good offense. Also has terrible defensive results. Mediocre defensive transition player. Excellent offensive transition player. But a lot of this is driven kind of off of, you know, QMJHL defenseman defending is a little bit softer. Uh, and, you know, he retrieves the puck in the neutral zone a lot. Uh, other guys are moving pucks to him, but that doesn't mean that it's not valuable. Um, I think he's a good option in the late first, I would say. Maybe into the mid first-ish if you have a lot of guys that you trust to quarterback lines but yeah I mean as a good as an all as a fine complimentary scorer I think there could be a thing there um especially if he sort of hits that higher end gear uh and if he does better than that good for him will I know this question will suck well whatever but I really want to hear your opinion on, opinion on if prior NHL legend, legends could really compete in this era. Given the technology and everything, do you think they can? Uh, I mean, it's interesting. It's it's not a bad question at all. I think what really kind of changed my mind on this was like going back in time to watch... Well, not, I didn't literally go back in time. Let me get that out of the way. Uh, but watching the games that during the pandemic, uh, I believe it was Sportsnet was putting on that were vintage games from the 90s and 80s and 70s. I think even the last time the Leafs won the Stanley Cup. Um, I forget what year that is. You can f- refresh my memory and all the Leafs fans in here's memory as well. Um, the the They put those games on YouTube um, and I loved watching them. There was a, a, a player, I think I mentioned this last week actually. Um, I think it was Serge Savard who was playing for the Blackhawks or something. I loved watching him play. And I thought, all right, he, I think, is the type of player that would thrive in the modern NHL. Now, he thrived when he was in the NHL, but in today's NHL, like, he's got the speed and skill and exciting sort of everything about his game. Uh, was was it Serge Savard? Maybe it was Denis Savard? I can't remember. There's too many Savards. Um, I, I, think, I think they certainly could. Um, I think the NHL has changed their thinking to reward actually beneficial play on the ice rather than focusing a lot on like well these six spots on the roster need to be reserved for these types of players and like the defense needs to play this way and offense is kind of off the table for them um so i think that the underlying sort of thinking behind how a team should be constructed has changed pretty significantly in the last 15 years i would say over time and prior to that I mean, I think there were just a lot of players that were artificially inflated while other types of players were artificially deflated just because of how we think of the game. But there are certain players that I think that in today's game still would be tremendous. Someone just mentioned Eric Lindros. That's another one that came to mind for me. Um, watching him play was was insane. Uh, it's crazy. Like, the guy was a, was, a, was a truck. You know, like, to me, though, the modern version of Eric Lindros can kind of be that Quint... No, not Quinton Byfield. Maybe, but, like, not likely. I would think more like the sort of Evgeny Malkin style where there's a bit of speed to it, you know, a bit more skill, whereas Lindros certainly had speed and skill, but he had this sort of all around just power to his game. And I think I see the same thing with Malkin, but it kind of leans more in the speed power. I can't, I don't know. I'm not a writer. I don't, or I guess I am technically, but 
whatever. Um, which high-skilled players are most harmed by their poor skating? I mean, I hate to say poor, but I'd say that the fact that Kent Johnson's skating is not where the rest of his offensive profile is certainly takes away from his overall potential, I think. Um, it's not bad, but it's not where the rest of it could be. Um, other high-skilled players that might be harmed by skating? I mean, cr choose... Ch choose. Kras that family has so many names that are so similar. Chaz Lucius. That's another one where I think that the skating might be a bit of an issue. Unbelievable skill. Really practical skill. Really good north-south player, for sure. Uh, I have him ranked pretty... I have him ranked at 19? Yeah, 19. So I, I like him, but I think that he's going to maybe fall short of where his skill might take him or might imply he might go. And Sasha Pastajov is probably the more pessimistic example of that, where I just don't think there's enough in the tank to be like a real high-end NHL player outside of on a power play. He'll probably play. He'll probably be a useful sort of five-on-five -five player who can you know, play smart, effective, sort of simple pass hockey. But when it comes time for the power play, that's when the skill and the offense might come out a little bit more often. That's just my hunch. Uh, thoughts on Gunther and Ken Johnson? Well, we kind of went over Ken Johnson very briefly. Gunther, I need to see more. I mean, his game that I tracked was up and down. His results were really good. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they're, he's still kind of getting his feet moving, really. That's kind of the biggest takeaway that I had. But he looked good overall. Not not bad, for sure. Team scouting should only draft Swedes this year. Change my mind. I won't. Thoughts on Theo Jacobson? That's an interesting name on your track list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I liked him at the under 20 level when I saw him, and I've kind of slowly started to pull away a little bit. Uh, he's fallen onto my watch list now. Like, I don't know if I would pick him, but I want to see where he's at in a year. Um, he's got really good skill really shifty not a tremendous skater um skates himself into trouble a lot but you know away from the puck he's got great offensive instincts he knows where to be away from the puck uh there was the last game i tracked of his i think he scored two goals just from parking himself in front of the net uh and and just tapping in easy ones um you know he does not look out of place at the swedish third division most of the time but i would have really liked to see more of him uh, he was dominant at the under-18 level. At the under-20 level, they thought he looked really good. His numbers at the under-20 level were very, very good. His team around him was not. Uh, but his transition numbers are always very good. I think there's something there, but I wouldn't jump at the chance to draft him unless it was really late in the draft and you just took a swing. Uh, I think the skating needs work. Uh, the, the, the vision with the passing needs some work and consistency. He doesn't get to touch the puck a whole lot. Um, I don't know if that's because his teammates don't really know his game very well. He, he, I mean, on the other hand, he went from playing under 18 level hockey in Sweden to third division men's pro with a couple of games of all Svenskan mixed in there. Like he's been bounced around quite a bit. Um, but I think another year at the under 20 level for a full season, uh, should be, should do, should do good for him. Thoughts on Naus and Hines. Uh, I haven't seen a ton of Hines. I saw, I've seen a bit of him. I don't really know what's there. He's a really big defenseman who's in a league that doesn't usually play good defense. Um, and he's good. He's fine, but I don't know. His numbers look great. 
something about it seems a little off. There's always guys who put up really, really good surface level results and they don't really work out and they're not really given much attention. And I look at him play. He's got long, he's got a long reach. He's big. He's strong. I just, I don't know. Maybe I need to keep circling back, but I still have trouble finding stuff. I like with Evan Nouse. I mean, I tracked a game of his, uh, I mean, again, this is one game. So please bear with me. I mean, there wasn't a ton that was great, but it was one game. And a lot of this, like the defensive results were good. You know, like defensively, he was good. His passing results, like I think Evan Nouse could be a good prevent defender. He's mobile. He takes care of the puck pretty well. Um, He's not, he doesn't take too many risks. You know, he just knows how to play defense pretty well. Uh, I still, you know, but... I want to see more before I make real heavy judgment calls uh, on him because what I saw in the game was kind of like, you know, I hear all this hype about him and then I watch him and then look at the data after, again, it's just one game, so I will do more. But you look at it and you go, I don't know. Like, he, he's got interesting bright spots, but at what cost? At least that's my interpretation so far. Uh, where were the 20th to 30 pick of last year last year's draft like Justin Barron and Mavic Bork rank on your 2021 list? Well, Justin Barron was w- much further down my list, uh, I think, if I recall correctly, last year. Maverick Bork was very, very high. Um, uh, let's take a look. I mean, Maverick Bork would probably be... Yeah, I, I, Maverick Bork would be comfortably in this range. You know, Sillinger, Rosen. I think I would probably have him after Sillinger. Maybe Rosen, but but I could easily be swayed to take Maverick Bork over Isaac Rosen, but it's close. Um, close for sure, but probably over Olausen. So let's call it 15th. Justin Barron, I don't know. I mean, Brendan Brisson, maybe Brisson would be in this range here, like with LaRue, Lambos, Swazil, kind of. I'd probably take him over Chibrikov. Uh, Borgo, maybe, uh, depending on the day that I've seen Borgo play last. I mean, he's he's kind of hit or miss, but when he gets moving, he gets really, really going. Um, so yeah, uh, those guys, a lot of them. I mean, I thought that I thought that you know, like Ozzy Weisblatt is another one in that range. Ozzy Weisblatt would probably be in that similar range as, as Brendan Brisson if I had the benefit of hindsight now. Uh, maybe cl- maybe behind a Borgo or Othman, but like tail end of the mid-20s to late-20s. Um, probably-ish. But, yeah. Uh, I've also been meaning to ask about the CJHL. What, in your opinion, makes leagues like the BCHL and OJHL better than the AJHL? And what makes the A better than the MJHL? I don't... On a granular level, I don't know. But... I just know that when I watch the OJ, I would also say the OJHL is not on the same level as the B. Uh, I watch the AJHL and the OJHL and it makes me want to pull my hair out. The problem with the AJHL is that the talent level is not enormously big. So really good players in that league explode the league. And the other thing about the AJHL, almost every single time I've watched games there, it always devolves into Canadian hockey stupidity. Like, certified blue checkmark Canadian hockey stupidity. A guy hits a guy a little bit too hard in the corner to send a message. There's a retaliation penalty. That retaliation penalty gets a retaliation penalty. That retaliation penalty causes a fight. 
that fight causes a retaliation penalty. And you end up with guys spending 10, 12 minutes on the power play so guys like Matthew Benning can score four points and guys like Carter Savoy can score five goals. Like, yeah, he scored a lot of goals at even strength, and yeah, he scored a lot of goals this year, but that's what I saw. That's what happened in the games that I was watching. It's just what happened. Maybe, like I did with the Tim the video, I picked all the wrong games, and I just have seen the wrong ones and whatever. But it just, it's, it's hockey that does not feel like hockey to me. And so with the BCHL, I don't know. I don't know what it is about them. Maybe, I, I don't know. But I do know that it's less like the experience of watching the AJHL and the OJHL. I just think the talent level is just not, it's just not as good. I think that's the biggest thing. Most guys in the OHL, or most guys go to the OHL. That's just how it is. And most guys in the Ontario area, if they want to go to the college level, the USHL is not that far away. Uh, and under normal circumstances, it's probably a better place to try to play. Um, or the BCHL. Like, you want to play at a high level. So the OJHL, by default, doesn't always get the best potential talent. Uh, who calls Jesse Poliarvi dumb? I don't know, but I feel like I've seen that quite a few times before he came back to North America. Uh, what do you think Veselainen's ceiling is in Winnipeg? Seems like he's struggling. I can't say I've seen him recently. Um, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, what is Evan Nouse's main strength and weakness? I mean, right now, his biggest strength, I think, is just his safe, responsible defense. His weakness is that his safe and responsible defense is his biggest strength in the QMJHL. He's he's a really mobile guy. He's got good skill. He can open up lanes really well and, and execute them pretty well, which is good. But that's kind of where I kind of, where it kind of stops. Like, I have him ranked pretty high, but, you know, he's he's been fine, especially as a defensive player. But I just think, I think that Evan Nouse is going to be a guy who goes like 35th overall and becomes like an okay NHL defenseman. But I'd rather take a riskier sort of high-end offense kind of guy more more than anything in that range and say, you know, like Evan Nouse strikes me as a guy that at the NHL level, that talent level, you can probably get it in free agency if you're smart and play your cards right. Whereas other guys in that range, you might have a hard time finding players like that if they work out. Thoughts on Shane Pinto? I mean, I was lower on him than I should have been. I didn't trust the data enough on him. Um, but I also, and I knew there was skill there. I thought he was, I thought there was a good chance that he became a player. I thought he was drafted too high, but, you know, that's okay. Uh, he was a, you know, he he's turned out to be a pretty good one so far. Um, like my pick in that range would have been like a Bobby Brink. And I still stand by that. I would have, I would have gone Bobby Brink. No question, and I would still be happy with that, even if Shane Pinto, you know, has been potentially a bit of a better player this season. Um, I love what Bobby Brink brings to the table, what he brings to the table. With Pinto, I mean, I think there's a good two-way player there, like a good two-way center. Um, I can't remember where I had him ranked, but there was a time when I had him in my first round that year, uh, but I just felt that the pace and the skating wasn't quite up to where it could be. But him regressing in his career to being a good two-way player, you know, who can also score at the NCAA level so far, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, he's he's kind of outperformed my expectations, but the data for him in his draft year was also very good. I asked last live stream, can you break down your stats between Eklund and Liesel? Yes, I can. I will do that. 
Um, so we'll walk through it. We'll do this. Let's do this. So surface level. Um, how can I make this look better? Whatever, you can tell. Uh, so surface level, William Eklund kind of beats Fabian Liesel almost across the board, uh, except for sort of the shooting area of the game and Liesel's defensive results have been better and his overall his overall possession has been better. However, if you look at this, this is the percentage comparison between the two. So what you've got, uh, and this is William Eklund versus Fabian Liesel. So they're roughly equal when it comes to just general dangerous shot attempt rates. So for versus against. Um, in terms of offense, shot attempts four from dangerous areas, they're about equal. That's pretty close. Against Eklund is a little bit worse. I would say that's relatively, not significant, but notable um, in terms of defensive play. But those guys are wingers, but I believe it. When you look at Eklund in terms of his defensive ability and the motor that he shows away from the puck, I think Liesel has a lot more to like. Um, he's better with his stick, I think, and freeing up pucks, turning it around. So this seems believable to me. Eklund is passing the puck more. He's completing more of his passes. He's generating more offensive threat. And this is also per 60 minutes. So Eklund is playing way more with better line mates, but Liesel is, it's still scaled for ice time. So that's also important to note. Um, dangerous passes per 60. Eklund's still winning. Eklund blows him out of the water in terms of shot, shot attempt creation, but Again, like Liesel's playing about fourth line minutes, and I can't remember many guys doing much of anything when he gets the puck, or when he gets the puck to them. Um, Eklund versus Fabian Liesel in terms of shooting. So Liesel is more of a shooter, it seems, for sure. Um, at least so far. Uh, but maybe that could change. Eklund is more of a sort of perimeter playmaker sort of possession guy, which is fine. Um, transition games. I mean, you got Eklund so far. And again, this is just my sample. Like, I can't say that this has been the case for every single game all season. But also, I would say that this kind of checks out with what I've seen out of both players. Um, so with Eklund, in terms of offensive transitions per 60 minutes, just, it's not even close. 23% more in terms of offensive transitions total. 47% when you include just, con just con controlled ones. His rate of controlled entries in the... Neutral zone and offensive zone is 20% better. He's a better defensive results player. Um, I think that's what that is. Or is that set up to be... Yeah, so there are, he's better almost across the board. Eklund is a better player on paper. I still think that Liesel playing fewer minutes with worse line mates on a new team he's never played on before is hampering things. You can see what he's capable of. If you wanted Eklund over Liesel, I would not say no. But personally, I have Liesel ahead of Eklund at, th at four with, with Eklund at five. But that's, and, and, but that's really soft. I don't know. I don't know. I think Eklund is a safer bet, but I kind of like what Liesel's got a little bit better. Does Cider have power play upside in the NHL? Probably. Um, probably. I mean, you could. Who else is going to play on the power play for the Detroit Red Wings um, for, for their defensemen? Um, Philip Peronic, maybe. I think, I mean, I don't know. Cider wouldn't be my first choice, but I could see it. Can you explain the T-Hitchek train? Seen him on a few lists and haven't heard any explanations. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, so T-Hitchek is a guy who, um, already, like right away, uh, 
I know that I'm high on relative to pretty much everyone. Um, his production outside of junior hockey is not particularly spectacular. Uh, his results on here aren't also particularly spectacular, but I just can't help but feel really interested in how he plays the game or what he could do when he plays. He's really mobile, you know, really, really good four-way mobility, really good skill on his feet, really shifty, um, you know, shoots the puck fine from the point, but he can also step up into the offensive zone and, and sort of pinch for offense really well. Really good defensive results. He's involved in some of the highest rates of defensive transitions per 60, but shuts down two-thirds of them, which in a men's league is notable to me. Um, and he does it with mobility, and he also does it while being five foot nine. And he has some of the best results of any defenseman that I've tracked this year. So I think that if you can settle down his puck play and and stop getting him throwing the puck to nobody for no particular reason so often, this number will improve. This number will improve. And in doing so, this number will improve. And if that happens, then this number improves. I, I really like what Tihacek could be. And if if he's a guy that you can get in the sixth or seventh round, he's the guy that I'd push for as a long-term swing. That would be it. Um, because I imagine he'll be available there. I have him ranked pretty high, really high. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of him, but I can absolutely see how it would never work out if things that need to be fixed don't get fixed. Uh, did Stromgren drop, drop in your rankings? He's been dropping over and uh, over time. I mean, he's at 45 now. Uh, I just, you need to see it more often. Like he's just too passive too often. I mean, could I pick him higher than this? Absolutely. You know, if I'm looking at this list, like he might be a guy that I look at as high as maybe 40, but 40, but, but 40 is, but anything higher than that for me is a little rich. There's other guys in there that I think have been either more likely to play in the NHL or just more fun to watch for me, you know? Um, whereas with Stromgren, I think he could easily be a very, very fun, skilled offensive winger in the NHL, but it's just, it's not, he, he takes the foot off the gas pedal a lot, skates himself into trouble a lot. His skating, his skill is insanely good for someone his size, but I haven't been really taken with just how, like, He's fluid and skates well, but not, it's not, he's not putting guys on their heels a lot. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, he's a second round guy to me. I know people like him less than that, but I, I, I kind of think it's a reasonable pick at say the third round. I like him, but because, but only because of what I've seen in like glimpses that haven't come out very often. And it's like, if, if he if he captures that more, then sure. Do you think over the years player rankings have become more accurate? Do you think we'll get to a stage where everyone's top to fifth, ten to fifteen is the same? No, no, because the way that people view the game can be very different from one another, and that's never going to change. You know, there's going to be people all the time who think that you win by being physical. I I'm not one of those people, but that's that's I can understand the logic, and that's kind of the point of sports, right? Like having differences of thought in terms of what you believe is competitive is what pushes a sport into the future and like makes it interesting. If everyone thought the same way about the game, I mean, you'd have the NHL, but like I'm, I'm half joking, but, but if you, if you had, 
you know, I, I don't think you'll ever have a situation where the top 10 or 15 are going to be identical across the board. Like the differences in talent, I would say in most draft years, especially outside the top three picks is like really thin for a long time. And based on what your priorities are and what you think, you know, based on your priorities, your assumptions could shift how you rank players. I believe that the moment a player is drafted, it does not like just because a player is drafted at third and they end up being the sixth best player in the draft does not mean that the team who drafted him is a failure. It means to me that sometimes things happen, which is true. Things happen. And when you're taking 18 year olds and 19 year olds and whatever, things can happen with them both emotionally, physically, athletically, that could guide their careers in one direction or the other. And so that can change a lot of things. Like I feel in my view that I have a pretty decent grasp of who I would want to see in my system. Like if I were like in order of like how excited I would be to bring them onto my team, because I think that when you have that sort of a mentality, it bleeds into the player. Like it, it, if you bring on a player who you, 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 make them want to play for you because you're excited to have them that adds value to me like if i'm talking to a a teenager who thinks that being an nhl player is all they've ever wanted i want to make that experience as positive as possible and and help entice them into working as hard as they can to be the best player that they can because you know like the way that i do my work is i look at objective results and go, okay, here's where players are positive or negative. Maybe we work on this, or maybe these areas of the game are things that we learn to learn to live with. And whatever happens from there, we'll manage. But, you know, getting the player excited to to be a part of the team and, and ready to come to work and ready to put in the work, work as hard as everyone else and then some, like do all those really good things, that can really change things. So I think that basic fundamental philosophies between individuals could very, will always change rankings because what a good hockey player is, is very different from someone, anyone in this room to, to me. Um, I mean, I, I think there is such a thing as like a good hockey player, but good hockey players can come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. Um, it's just a matter of sort of figuring that out. And I, there's always going to be some level of uncertainty to it. So even if everyone had the same top 10 or 15, um, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're perfect. Uh, quick question. Have you ever tried to scout yourself to improve a game? Uh, also, if you need a hockey question, who is having an under the radar great season? Uh, um, I don't want to ever watch myself play hockey. Uh, I mean, I haven't played much since I was 16, I did pick it up right before the pandemic and went to a few games here in, in, in the city I live in, but, uh, and I wasn't terrible, but I wasn't good. Uh, so I'm scared to see what I look like playing. Um, but I do like to, I do like to, you know, when I go play hockey, like I, I keep my feet moving as much as I can and I love passing the puck. I, I, I prefer to think of myself as unselfish. Uh, and I, I like passing pucks, not just because my shot is a tire fire, but just because that's 
you know, how I feel most comfortable. Uh, are there any notable draft eligible players in the NCAA between besides the Michigan boys? I mean, I like Dovar Tindling, but only really as a late round swing. Uh, that's the only other one I can think of off the top of my head. Is hockey IQ sometimes more important in the success of elite players than speed? I think of Kirill Krapazov as examples of this. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, it's it's not really the be-all, end-all. You know, I, I think you have to have it, and it certainly helps alleviate other issues, right? Like, if you're better in one category, it means you can get away with maybe not so much in another category, right? Like, if you don't need to move your feet as much and you just know how to find open space and know what you're going to do if you get that puck and you're in that open space and you don't need to move your feet a ton to play. I don't care. Uh, it's, it's all good with me, but it's really hard to do. Uh, it's really hard to do at an NHL pace, uh, with Kirill Kaprizov, he has years and years of experience doing it on big ice in Russia. Um, and with Kirill Kaprizov, I do think that his skating and mobility is pretty good. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that the other thing to keep in mind is like, speed is not something that personally i'm really looking for like i there's a difference to me between pace and speed so speed is is certainly good to have you you want to have it winning races and all that stuff it all factors in um but if you don't have the if you don't have the skill to keep up with your hands that can be a problem if you don't have you know the vision to spot players when you're going 100 miles an hour which can be tough uh <clears throat> that can also change your game. It's all sort of like a spectrum and 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 that's really it. Um so with Kiro Kaprizov, I mean, yeah, I think he's a good example of a guy who gets away with with being smarter more than anything and just having a great shot, some good skill to go along with it. But yeah, just like knowing where to be away from the puck certainly matters. Um So yeah, and and just knowing where your line mates are and and chipping in as a team, I think that that all factors in. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's more important, but I would phrase it as like, it is important to have that. You need to know what to do with the puck. You need to know where to be. You need to know how to play outside of the offensive zone. Um, you need to know how to anticipate play. Uh, pick up pick up pick up opponents in open ice. All kinds of things. Uh, in order to in order to be successful, I think. Um, do, do, do what happened to Jack O'Brien? Uh, I don't know. He has not been great in the USHL. Um, I want him to be good as well, but I will be doing more on him. Are you concerned about Alexander Holtz's drop in production in the second half of the season? No, not really. Are there any notable overagers? Uh, Ethan Cardwell, Pavel Chutniev, Cameron Berg, and then there's a lot on my watch list. I added Jeremy Biakabutuka there because I've liked him since he's been to Ramuski. Uh, Nikita Guslistov could be an interesting scoring guy, but that's a long shot. Daniil Imurzin, uh, Igor Suchkov, and Daniil Bashkarov should all get drafted, I think. Um, if it were up to me, him and Mancini and Cardwell and Chutniev would all have been drafted. So I'd be kind of a fraud if I put those guys on my own list that I would have drafted them and uh, when they go undrafted, not put them on my list this year. Um, I like all those guys. Mancini, Suchkov, Bashkarov, uh, Imurzin. Alexei Kozhevnikov is an interesting defensive player. Uh, I was going to circle back on him today, but I ran out of time. So that's something that we'll do for next week. 
Um, any thoughts on Lazutin? He was high on draft boards at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I've never liked him. I've I've never been a huge fan of Daniel Lazutin. I mean, again, we were just talking about hockey IQ. I don't really see it. Lazutin has mobility, and that's and he he looks flashy and he looks great. But he's a really good example of a player where I think team play, focusing on the game, being really dialed in. That's that he's a good case study of of what to look at and what you want to see something better than like I just he's he gets rid of pucks way too quickly and he sends them to nobody far too often he's you know slow in transition just kind of takes his time can't really do that even at the MHL level um there isn't a tremendous amount of skill but he's decently mobile I just don't really know uh he's just I I remember being disappointed early in the year wasn't surprised to see him getting demoted um he's had a rough year Maybe if he doesn't get drafted, there's something there next year. But usually there are reasons that players have fallen when they're ranked that high and then drop. Uh, and Lazutin is not, is, is I think, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't think there's a ton there, unfortunately. Uh, Svechkov was the guy last year who I think drove a lot of that bus on the Russian international team. Uh, so you think once Lambos comes back to the WHL, we just forget his disaster of a showing in Finland. It wasn't a disaster, man. It was... He wasn't as good as people expected, but he was still fine. Um, he's a he was a good defensive player there. Um, he's still a first round pick to me, but I just don't think he's going to be more than like a decent middle pair, maybe two way guy, which is fine. And I think in the first round that's perfectly reasonable. Um, but a top pick this year, I I wouldn't categorize him there. Can Simon and Edvinson quarterback a power play in the NHL and does he have high offensive potential? Potentially, yeah, I could see that. I mean, he's got good skill through the neutral zone. Um, I could see. I could see it. Dalene doesn't have the tools to be Rasmus in Buffalo. Okay, I think this I think this guy is actually watching a lot of Buffalo games. Uh, uh so I trust his opinion. And I think I know this person, Harry Bras. Uh, they refuse to pair him with a simple defensive defenseman and let him play his game. And instead, it's the let's learn defense first mentality. That's the thing I've kind of picked up. The defense, like play defense. Don't touch the puck so much. Don't carry the puck so much. Play defense. That's not how it goes. That that, that That's not usually how you help elite young defensemen be better. Uh, do, do, do. May I ask how Lambos has been a disaster? Yeah, okay, where there we go. Um, have you been watching Pod Colson this year? Do you think he'll be an impact player? I mean, I always thought Pod Colson would literally be an impact player. He's gonna be a guy that you want to play for. I don't think he's gonna be anything more than maybe a middle six scoring winger, two way winger. I don't know how much he's gonna score in the NHL, so I don't know why I said scoring winger. But he works hard. He's he's mobile. He certainly has a high give a crap meter. Um, he cares. So he's going to go out and battle regardless of the jersey he's wearing. Um, I have seen a little bit of him this year. He's certainly been a little bit better. But I think the World Juniors kind of gave everyone sort of the indication like, oh, okay, maybe he's not a guy who can take over a team and be this offensive dynamo. I just don't really see it. But I think he's going to be a, a like he's going to be, I think, a good analytics guy, drives good defense first results who maybe scores an okay rate, um, but a guy you want on your team. And I think that's perfectly fine. Do you have a player for this year's draft that you think people underrate? It's 
less and less now, but people are underrating Ayrton Martino. Um, but that's happening less and less now that people like me keep yelling about him. Uh, any chance we could get a look at Hunter Strand from Alaska? I have seen him a little bit. I don't, I don't know. I might, I have, it's been a while, so maybe I'll circle back on him, but, uh, yeah, haven't, haven't jumped at the chance, uh, of, haven't, haven't been jumping, champing at the bit to, to see more of him from what I've seen. He had a really hot start to the year as well, and he's kind of been slow since from what I remember, but it's been a while, like I said. As of right now, who's your number one? That question was asked twice. Uh, Maddie Beneers right now, but yeah. Um, do you think Nolan Patrick can still be an impact player on the NHL? I hope so. I hope so. Um, do you think that the USHL is a good spot for Daniel Gushin in his D plus one? I mean, where else is he going to play, man? Um, it's, it's a weird, crazy year. Like you, I think everybody on planet earth, especially sports fans and hockey fans in this season, you're going to have to resign yourself to the fact that this season is gonna, is gonna have effects that you can't predict. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not a wizard, at least not today. And you know, the draft this year, your team might make some bad decisions because it's really hard to make good decisions this year relative to prior years, so they say. I, I partially believe it, but it's not false. Guys are having a weird time. It's a weird season. Weird stuff is going to happen. Weird things are going to happen to this group of hockey players that might push guys in the right direction, push guys in the wrong direction. I don't know. Um, but we have to just sort of let it happen. I don't know. I would have loved Daniel Gustin to be playing for the Niagara Ice Dogs this year in the OHL. That was the plan. He's not. There's no real other place for him to go unless he goes back to Russia. And I don't... I, if The fact that he didn't do that means that, you know, like, he, it means that he's more comfortable playing in North America right now, which, great. Uh, he's been great in, in the USHL this year. Uh, Sean Farrell, you mentioned as well, another player impacted. I'd at least rather them going down there and putting in 100% every time they step on the ice. You know, don't take your foot off the gas pedal. Just go and score. Shoot the lights out. And that's what they've been doing. So I think it's perfectly reasonable. I wouldn't sweat it. We'll see what happens, though. I don't know. I don't know. But there's no real other option. Um, 7 nothing for the Oilers, boy. Do teams have a limit on how many scouts they employ? I don't think so. Uh, as a Devils fan, I think power is the gold standard defenseman we need. Well, you got a lot of big friggin' defensemen. Um, I get the feeling he's going to be first overall, so if you don't get first overall, you're not going to get him. Um, and if Owen Power is the gold standard defenseman we need, and you've already got guys like Shakir Mukamadulin, uh, go nuts. And Nikito Okotiuk and Kevin Ball and... I don't. I can't even remember the other ones, but there's more. If the Sharks get a top five pick, is Jesper the goalie investment they go for, or players like Luke Hughes the move? I mean, personally, I'd probably lean Luke Hughes. I think you drafted a lot of really good forwards last year. Goaltending, I think you can, you can figure out elsewhere. Um, I just you don't. It's their first top pick, and you don't want to screw it up. And I don't think you screw up by taking Luke Hughes, personally. Whereas with Wallstead, you never know. And you won't see him for a little while. 
Um, and with San Jose, Luke Hughes might be an NHL player after next season, at most after the season after that. Uh, and if you can stockpile the next couple of picks at the high end of the draft, you know, like if San Jose lands a Shane Wright or a Brad Lambert and adds that to Luke Hughes and adds that to Weisblatt and adds that to Bordalo and adds that to Gustin and adds that whatever, you got an interesting group there. Um, if, as long as the rest of their picks also seem to be pretty good. Like Niazev has come along pretty well. Uh, would you rather have a franchise center to start with your team or a franchise defenseman? Uh, take the center. Do, do, do. Uh, any thoughts on Moritz Sider? Oh my goodness. I get asked about him every week. He's really good. He's been really, really good. And Steve Eiserman taking him at sixth overall still might've been a bit rich, but he looks pretty smart. He's, he's been very good. Why hasn't Rochette been, why wasn't Rochette drafted? Small center, not a ton of speed, not a ton of super, super elite skill constantly. Um, he also was just not a great goal impact player offensively or defensively. I think he was sick a bit last year as well. He's a good QMJHL player. I don't really know there's enough there for like a a draft pick. Um, just, yeah, I don't know. Not Not entirely sold. Thoughts on Dylan Holloway this year? I mean, last year I mentioned it in the video. Like, there's a lot, there was a lot of potential with him. The skill came out pretty often. His data was pretty good. But it just, the offense, he wasn't playing with enough sort of oomph and confidence in the offensive end. He was doing the same thing a lot over and over and over again. But his second half was so much better than his first, so I'm not really surprised he's improved. Um, I still think that he's going to turn out to be a good sort of Swiss Army knife, middle six guy, maybe a second line winger, third line center, who you can slot in behind McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. Maybe not as soon as next season, but like at the end of next season, you could see it. I think that's perfectly reasonable, but he's been very good. Uh, if you were tasked with picking one player for the Jets in the draft with their first rounder, is there anyone that pops out as a big fit? I don't know. Where are they picking? Um... Thoughts on Dauber's top 100 since Tony Ferrari is here. Uh, it's fine. Have you tracked any AHL this season? No. Um, but yeah, Liljegren has been good. I haven't tracked any, but I've seen Timmy play. He's been good. Thoughts on the league having a flat cap for the next four years despite an annual ESPN payout of $400 million a year. Something doesn't sound right to me. They just they announced the deal today, man. And we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Just because they're earmarking $400 million a year does not mean they're automatically going to come out the first day they sign the deal and go, all right, everybody, the salary cap is going to be $100 million in three years, but don't worry about the pandemic that's still ongoing. Give it a few days. Give it a few months. It's They just announced the deal. No money has been moved yet. The NBC deal still exists. Um, the league does not even announce when the cap... like. The league five years ago didn't say the salary cap is going to be $81 million in 2020. No one did that. They're just saying that because they need to tell the owners and they need to tell the managers, do not spend money. That's what they're doing. They're not saying, they're, they're not guaranteeing that the salary cap is going to be flat. They're just saying, this is crazy and we need to like really pump the brakes so let's just say that the cap is going to be stagnant. If the league makes a tremendous amount of money in the next 12 months or 24 months, 
maybe they'll move the salary cap. But teams have also lost a lot of money in the last year. They're playing games with no fans. They've lost a lot of money. It's expensive to run an NHL team. They're going to need to recoup those losses as well. So they're not going to announce anything whatsoever in terms of increasing the salary cap and stuff until they, until things kind of get back to some semblance of normal. Uh, what about Olivier Boutin in the QMJHL? Haven't, haven't seen him. Uh, that Dauber list sucks because Liesel should have been number one. Oh God. Okay. So all the Dauber people start yelling at each other around this part. Um, I'm watching Malatesta right now. Can't help. Uh, tell me why he's just okay because I can't help but think that. I I took Malatesta off my list. I don't I don't really see much there, honestly. There's a couple of uh, Twitch questions here. Um, thoughts on the Sharks potentially having Chekovic in the lineup? He might have a legitimate shot at being the lineup if he tra- keeps up his KHL form. Yeah, he's great. I really love Ivan Chekovic. I always have. I'll go to bat for him forever. Uh, thoughts on them bringing Balsers back? No. Um, Balsers is f- a guy, I guess. He's fine. Uh, but I like Chekovic a lot more. So him being a good NHL player would be very nice for me. Who's moving up your board lately? How has Jack Pert's game also carried? Okay, one thing at a time here. Who's moving up my board lately? Um, do, do, do. Oh, I got to update that thing. Um, moving up my board. Uh, Owen Powers moved up a little bit. I don't think anything in the last week, though. Um... I keep inching Jake Martin a little higher every week because uh, I like him a lot. Um, Ayrton Martino keeps inching upwards. Uh, who else? I mean, Francesco Arcuri I've really liked overseas, but he's a soft one in that range because he's playing in a pretty low-level league, but I've liked what I've seen. Um, and him debuting in the second round is kind of neat. Uh, in Russia the heart oh sorry there were other parts of that question how was Jack Pert's game I gotta circle back on him so ask me again next week uh curious on Victor Stjernborg um I don't know if he's gonna be an NHL player but he could be a good Swedish player uh really really smart really responsible chips in well drives play at both ends pretty well but he's small not tremendously quick relies on positioning and smarts more than anything uh, support player. He's a good support player. You can tell why he's captain. He's one of those guys. You can just tell he's why he's captain of his team. Um, but I just, I'm not super high on him, but I don't, I, I, I don't mind him. Um, last year I heard the comparison that the 2020 draft had comparatively 41st rounders next to the average draft. I don't know who's telling you this stuff, but I don't really like talking about the draft in that frame. Uh, where do you think the cutoff of first round pick draft players is this year? Like, I don't know. I mean, when you look at historical production, like guys like Ayrton Martino probably would be a first over first round pick. I mean, a 50% involvement percentage in the USHL is crazy high, regardless of your age. Um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like Scott Morrow is kind of a, like I've seen more and more of him recently, Moro and Moro of him. Um, I really like him. I, I still obviously am a huge fan of his, uh, but I can see some concerns for sure. Um, but it's hard because he's playing prep hockey. 
Uh, I still believe in him. I still would draft him pretty high, but he slipped a bit. Um, but I don't really know how to explain how many first round talent players there are. I think that's a spongy thing in the first place. Um, I just look at who I like and judge from there. But I feel like this year is a little bit lighter on those real high, high end guys, but there's a lot of interesting players outside that range, especially in Europe. Uh, and the last question, uh, is 2022 draft, is the 2022 draft deep or just really top heavy? I think there's a really, really good draft next year coming. I, I have a short list of guys that I think is 35 names long now. Um, and I, most of them are Europeans. Uh, so we'll see what happens in North America, but yeah, 2022 could be a good one. Um, is Russia the hardest country to scout from due to the inconsistency in the teams? It's tough. I mean, the tough ones are judging really low levels relative to NHL potential. You know, like looking at, say, Scott Morrow playing prep school hockey, it's hard to project his game into the NHL or into the NCAA right away. You look at the fundamental tools and and cross your fingers. That's kind of the best you can do. Um, But I mean, like, Russia is tough, but you can pick games against good teams. Like, that's usually what I do. Just pick games against good teams and you just ignore the rest. And that can can help. Um, Most leagues I do that. Uh, and part of the reason I wasn't concerned, because people asked me constantly about Marco Rossi last year playing against bad teams and scoring. I tracked games against all good teams, and he was obliterating them every single game. Outside of scoring points, dominant. Just a dominant hockey player. So that's what made me not so concerned. Because um, you can't just look at points. Like, points are, are points are a reward. They're a reward... They're a reward that sometimes you don't earn, right? Like sometimes you get gifts. Sometimes you get gifted ones. Sometimes a goalie buffs one. Um, but a lot of things need to go in in order to get rewarded. And it, just because you get rewarded a lot doesn't mean you're doing the work to get the reward. You know, anyway, that's a separate conversation. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, Russia is tough for that reason, but you can kind of filter it out. The tough ones are, for example, like the the toughest ones to me are players on really, 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 really bad teams. Like teams so bad that even if the play, like usually a good hint for me of a good player on a bad team, shot metrics are very, very poor generally. Transition metrics are very, very good for the individual. Transition metrics are very tailored to the individual's involvement in play. Shot attempt differentials depend on the skill of the opponent the skill of your own line mates, the skill of your team, the skill of your goaltenders, whatever. And so that can color a lot of results. But there are players who have really crummy transition results, really crummy shot results, but like, and their passing is bad, but you you, you see what they're trying to do. Just the guys are not where they, sh- the, the, the teammates are not where they should be. You got wingers pinched over on the wrong side of the ice. So there's nobody there. You know, maybe that's on the puck carrier to view and 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 make sure they can spot their receiver. You know, you've got guys who can't receive passes in transition in the neutral zone. Um, all kinds of stuff. Um, so those ones are tough. Uh, but yeah, uh, someone mentioned Logan Mayu. His team is not very good, uh, but his results are and his results are very poor in many ways, but not every way. Um, 
He's not perfect, but he is a decent example of that. And even if you pick the best opponents in the third division in Sweden, they're still not the best team. Like, the best teams at that level go to the Allsvenskan, and even then it's a struggle for them a lot of the time. So it really depends, but Russia on in general is kind of tough, but not the toughest, I would say. Um, Do-do-do. Jacob Barker, Dauber of frauds because they didn't let me put Ken Johnson one. Jacob, you had some interesting things to say in that. Uh, you, you, I think you picked up on the me talking about Tyler Myers uh, comp for uh, Owen Power. I still stand by it, but I know what you mean. Your your sort of rebuttal to it actually like it made a lot of sense. And I mean, I don't. I mean, Tyler Myers certainly has advantages. Uh, and if Owen Power doesn't figure out his disadvantages, then yeah, I think that's the player he will be. But uh, very, you you made good points uh, because I I agree on a lot of them. Uh, but he still scares me. Um, and yeah, Ken Johnson at one, you're 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 out of your gourd, my friend. Um, in my opinion, but he's a lot of fun. He's a he's a dangly boy, and I love a good dangly. Let's not finish that sentence. He dangles good. And I don't mind seeing that in a hockey player. There, that's better. Um, can we call it a night there? One last question. Any idea what happens from here with Logan Brown? You still think there's potential for him to be a productive NHL center? I don't know why he's not in the NHL right now. I mean, now there seems to be more injuries to the Senators. If they don't call him up now and just play him, I don't know what the... I don't know what the big... I don't know. Drake Batherson should have probably been in the NHL last year if he's playing like this this season and how he played last year. Logan Brown was right there with him with being, with Belleville. Should probably be in the NHL this year, but I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there. I don't know if they're just trying to keep his next contract really cheap, but they're they're doing my boy dirty there. Which 2021 prospect on defense do you think has the highest offensive ceiling? I mean, probably Luke Hughes overall, but Owen Power is probably not too far behind. Brant Clark, if he hits, if he hits a, if he hits a ceiling, I think could be there as well. Um, but I, I have faith in Luke Hughes. I think. Where's the Mario Ferraro video? There isn't one. It's a just a written article on McKean's. I see you tra- or or Scouching.ca for any patron. I see you track Nous, uh for the third time. Uh, good defensive player. Not much else going on in my view, but I've only done a game. So I'll circle back on him again at some point and go from there. Simon Edvinson to Detroit would be an adventure. Him playing with William Valinder down the road. Hold on to your butts because that would be fun in both good and bad ways. If you're the Leafs, do you trade away their first round pick to really go for it this year if that's what it takes to acquire an impact top six forward? See, Brian, I don't know if you're trolling me. Uh, Toronto has like seven top six forwards. It depends on what you're getting. Taylor Hall? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe Taylor Hall. But I don't I do not do it. I don't know. Like, look at Toronto's... If you get Taylor Hall as a rental, for example, and he walks in the offseason, you've now traded a guy who, even if, say, Nick Robertson steps into the lineup, there's no guarantee of when Rodion Amirov shows up. Uh, John Tavares isn't getting any younger. Um... You know, you're the, the Leafs are like look at the Leafs' winger depth without guys like Simmons because I doubt he's coming back unless he's hit another gear in his career. Spezza probably won't come back. Joe Thornton, maybe, but probably not. 
um you know you're going the leafs are going to need entry level efficiency especially on the wings in my view i don't really think trading picks is going to get you that um and i think that if they 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 continue to draft the way that they have they're going to be a contending team for quite a while uh even though austin matthews william nylander uh mitch marner they're all gonna at some point need to be re-signed i still think that if you can continuously keep adding to that pipeline i think you're gonna be good um it depends on the player they're landing but like do you really want to mix up the toronto maple leafs top six to add taylor hall and do you want to give up a lot of assets to get taylor hall to play him on the third line and then even then who do you bump off the third line you know if you get an Eric Stahl or something to play like fourth line center and it costs you a third round pick, fine, whatever, fine. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, wonder when Sean Barons will get any love. Never, because he's not, he's not that good. And I know that's going to make you mad, but that's why I said it. Anyway, that's enough for tonight. Uh, I got to take off. Uh, this was lovely. We'll do it again next week, 9.30 p.m. You know the time. You know the drill. Uh, when the podcast is fully up and running, I will send out all the links, so stay tuned for that. This will be there first, and then my very first episode with a very special guest will be up shortly after that. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, beyond that, scouting reports probably after next week. So the list of geek names that are tracked this week will probably start to get lower and lower as I focus more on individuals and finish their data sets. So stay tuned. Uh, lots, lots of fun stuff coming. Um, and we'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining me. Have a lovely week. Stay safe. Uh, when you can, get a vaccine. One, whatever one you can. Anyway. <laughs>